In 1908, Leaf Brands debuted the first cream-filled cookie. Two black, circle-shaped cookies with white cream in the middle. You're probably thinking of the Oreo, but that came four years later. Before Oreo was Oreo, there was Hydrox, huh? the original sandwich cookie. Oreo was made as a generic knockoff, but eventually became a billion dollar industry, while Hydrox faded into obscurity. So how does one company become so successful by stealing such a simple idea? Today we talk about branding. I'm joined by graphic artist and my brother Colin Garvin to discuss building a brand, what the NBA has become, the best and worst team logos, and how a team can use branding to their advantage. Millions of people watch the NBA every season, rooting for their favorite team, picking their favorite players. My name is Dylan Garvin, and I'm more interested in the game outside of the game. In this simple game that involves one ball, two hoops, and ten players, how do you crack the code and build the perfect team? This is Dynasty. here today with Colin Garvin, my brother, and just tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. So I work at a design agency in Vancouver. We also have an office in Soho in New York. So we work on platforms, products, campaigns for clients that vary from Google to Adidas, financial, as well as energy sectors. So it's a little bit all over the place, but we're pretty consistent in that we're building experiences for users. So we're focusing on the end product and collaborating with our clients to ensure that business needs are met, as well as products that are produced to a certain quality. So we do UX user experience, we do the design, and we do the development as well. So I'm actually out here in Philadelphia with Dylan right now, recording this podcast, doing some work in New York. So what do you know about building a brand? Take me through the process. Yeah, so it's interesting. A brand, by definition, at least the definition that I prefer, is actually how you're perceived from others. So your customers, people that consume your products, it's actually how they view you. So your brand isn't necessarily what you put out, although it helps, it informs how they perceive you. But ultimately, what they think of you is your brand. So you could say, oh, we're cool, we're hip, or whatever kind of personality you're going for. But if the general public doesn't see that, if they say, oh, they're kind of old or out of times, that's essentially your brand. So you do your best to put the different products or spin on it, whether that's through advertising, commercials, or just how you generally design your products. But it's ultimately up to your consumers to say like, you are cool or you are what you say you are. Actually, we called our stuff Gatorade. What do you think the NBA is doing well in the last 10 years, just as a... In terms of branding? Yeah. What do you think? Like to me, I mean, I can talk first. To me, like I think of the NBA has become this cleaner image. Like when I was a kid, it was a lot more tattoos, a lot more like guys who yeah, okay, kind of had rougher past. Not yeah. that the guys in the NBA don't have them now. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's kind of perceived as like a cool thing. Yeah. And like we look up to it. And that's kind of what I think they've been building ever since Michael Jordan is they want kids to look up and they want people to kind of idolize the NBA. Yeah, so I would definitely consider myself an outsider to NBA, um, more of a casual viewer. So it's interesting my perspective on it. But I think you go back to the times where it's the Allen Iversons of the 
of the league and they were rough and dressed and kind of lean more towards a, a rap genre. We in here talking about practice. But it was definitely a, a rougher time, I think, in the NBA. But now you see it. It's it's big business. There's lots of money being pumped in from advertisers, from brands, and they want to rely on players that are predictable. So some of these guys that are shooting off their mouths or representing these brands, but kind of speaking out of terms can get them in trouble. So I think they're they're willing to put their money into these players that can sell their products, whether you believe in that or not. But they want someone that they can trust to carry their brand image. And so with that comes a lot of money. So I think these players are realizing that the business opportunities and saying, hey, cut out all the crap and I'm going to be a businessman and I can make more money doing that. And whether you have the tattoos or you listen to rap or whatever it may be, it's just in the in general public, maybe carrying yourself with a bit more um, edit word in. Pizzazz. Pizzazz, no. <laughs> Kind of going off of what you said, I think today most NBA players are also businessmen. Like You don't even realize how much money most of them are making outside of the game just through branding themselves, signing shoe deals. Mm-hmm. James Harden a couple years just ago just signed a $200 million deal with Adidas. Right. And then right after that, he was seen in public wearing Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so much. Um, they're just so worried about image today in the NBA. It's all about that game outside of the game. It's not just what they're doing on the court. It's this 24-7 news cycle of what are they doing? Who are they with? Where Mm -hmm. are they going? And we're so worried about the individual players. I also think today it's such a star-driven league. Every time you see a matchup on TV, it's not always. It's the 76ers versus the Cavaliers. It's it's LeBron James versus Joel Embiid. Embiid. I mean, it's better for the overall image of the NBA, but as far as team basketball goes, it definitely gives some guys egos. Oh, for sure. And yeah, you get the Adidas versus Nike deals or the Under Armour versus, you know, Reebok. Does anyone have a Reebok deal? Yeah. Iverson? <laughs> Someone. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is interesting. I think when you start pouring more money into it, it, it dilutes what these guys are probably really about or their, I don't know, personalities because they have to act a certain way. But in some ways, it's also interesting because it starts to get into culture in general um so no longer is it basketball is a very niche market it's more about branding and clothing and shoes and lifestyle and even like the, like you said these celebrities so it's a lot more accessible to people that may not be big basketball fans but say they're you know shoe collectors and they can be interested in that or they like celebrity gossip and they're now interested in basketball players so it is interesting just how more global it is um, and accessible to people that may not even be basketball fans so I totally see it from a business standpoint, but I agree. Is it better for basketball as a sport? Yeah, probably not. Well, it brings more money in, which is can always make it more exciting, but like it can also become more dramatic and not as focused on the game. Mm-hmm. I also think basketball has kind of become its own subculture in a way. You see kids today, they're wearing the basketball shoes. They ask their parents or they save up their money for $200 basketball shoes. They're always wearing those socks or following that brand. And I think the basketball, um, the NBA loves that because they can sell this kind of identity to these kids. I figured since I'm going to be like Mike, I might as well dress like Mike. You know, I mean, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Pow, huh? And they can rely on them as future customers. And kind of like you're saying, there's other ways to draw people in. You may not love basketball, but if you come from 
China and you see someone like Yao Ming or Jeremy Lin coming into the NBA, the NBA wants more people to come in. So they'll boost up those players because whether they're good or not, they want more viewers to come in. Yeah. It's because he's Asian. Black players do what he does every night. Yeah, I was just listening to another podcast and a really interesting story about um star strawberry straw starberries or the shoes and he grew up not the shoes colin is talking about are called starberries and, and the player is stefan marbury marbury grew up in brooklyn not being able to afford the latest basketball shoes in college marbury got the idea to create a high quality basketball shoe that any kid could afford when marbury made it to the nba he came out with starberries a shoe only costing about 15 dollars brand that um, was trying to sell stuff really cheap. Um, quality was fine, um, but he wanted to partner with someone that these kids could actually afford the shoes. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of did the bare minimum basketball shoe. And then he actually played an entire season in it. But I remember the first game they were showing, um, he like cut once and fell over. And, and of the course, shoe broke, right? Well, the shoe, well, that's what everyone thought. They're like, oh, no, like, of course, a $15 shoe oh, yeah. isn't going to hold up in an NBA game. But turned out he's totally fine, played the rest of the season in it. Um, and now they're collector items. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I just want to talk about the teams that are worth the most. Just off the top of your head, which market do you think is the biggest? In terms of teams? Yeah. Ooh. Right now, probably Lakers. Um, I'm going to say Golden State. Cleveland's probably up there. Maybe Bulls. All right. Heat at one time. <laughs> Heat at one time. So in terms of value of teams as of last year, Forbes did an evaluation. The Knicks are worth the most with $3.3 billion. <laughs> the Lakers are worth $3 billion. The Warriors are worth $2.6 billion. The Nets, $1.8. The Bulls, $2.5. The Celtics, $2.2. The Clippers, $2 billion. The Rockets, $1.6 billion. And then Dallas and Heat rounding out the top 10. So you take a look at those top five. Most of those teams suck. Yeah. So the Warriors are that? good. Right. The Celtics are good. The Bulls are okay. The Clippers are pretty good. The Rockets are pretty good. But the rest of those teams are kind of lottery teams. Yeah, so what does that say about money and sports? So I think what's that? what that's saying is team success doesn't always translate to money sometimes it's the market in it that you're in or vice versa money doesn't always translate to team success that's true so these teams that are making the most money the knicks or the nets you look at them and you would think oh they have the most money they have the best market you would think they'd be able to bring in the best players and they're still the worst teams hmm. so there's a lot more to it than just oh we're going to spend a lot of money there's you have to build that culture and I think of the best teams in the NBA are sometimes not even those big market. The Thunder have been pretty good the last few years. They've been smart about drafting. They were stupid about letting James Harden go and Kevin Durant. I mean, they couldn't do much about that. No, you're Kevin. Right, Kevin. I party. No, no, you don't. Um, but then you also think of the San Antonio Spurs, not a big market. Consider a hypothetical question. Could Kawhi get buckets on Kawhi? You think of the Pacers for a while. They were good with Paul George. We are the Pacers of Indiana. So there are other ways to success. And I think the league definitely tries to make sure, like we we're talking about before with the salary cap, they try to make sure that all the teams have equal 
parts, but there's a lot you can do as a team besides money. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. So when you're a team and you're trying to attract a free agent, I think the biggest thing is sometimes city location. For sure. Like you look at the Lakers and that appeal for younger players to go, you know, like Ball really wanted to play in, in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. And don't you think the city had some effect on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times, like we said, you can make so much money on endorsements. So like, well, I want to live in New York or I want to live in L.A. where I have those opportunities to make more money, mm. even if the team sucks right? or the organization is dysfunctional. I think another thing that matters is a lot of people like to play close to home. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think it's important important and this is very long view but if you're playing if you're thinking okay we want to build up players who live around here so if you think let's start investing in the youth let's in philadelphia let's start investing in the rec courts so that players who may say oh well, i don't want to play basketball because the courts suck around here or everybody plays football where i live or everybody plays baseball so when you invest back in your city you may not get immediate returns, but 15 years from now, those players, some of them are going to be good and some of them are going to choose basketball over football. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at that, if you're building up your city as a basketball city, then a lot of times they have success. Right. And you look at that with the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls, even though besides the Celtics, the Lakers and the Bulls aren't as good now, they have such a because they were so successful in the 80s and the 90s and before that with the Celtics and Lakers, they have such a good image that people always look at them as a prestigious team. Right. And even if those players, you know, rec players don't translate into all-stars, you still get fans out of that, right? So Mm -hmm. you still build a a culture of basketball that people are watching or playing and it kind of is circular. Circular. Circular? No, I was thinking of a different one. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of times when you see expansion teams come in, like they tried to do a team in Vancouver and it just didn't work because not enough kids played basketball, even though there are diehard fans out there for the Canucks. Yep. They love, but a lot of people, if you're not playing the sport, a lot of times you're not, you don't care as much about the sport. Yeah, because I know this isn't a hockey podcast, but even though the Canucks suck right now, there's still hundreds of fans, Mm -hmm. thousands of fans that go to games to watch them and whether it's tourists or people in town or or hardcore fans they still have that base because it is a, a hockey city and so the last thing i said the location the city and then also just home growing players and the final thing is i just think the experience for both the fans and the players uh, when you think of you may not have the coolest city but if you have a really cool stadium and you invest in that for the players you invest in your training facility you invest in okay, we're going to get make sure we have the best chiropractors and masseuse and we make sure we have the best team doctors and workout areas. Mm-hmm. That's really attractive to a, a player looking to come in. Yeah, I think the best example of that, and maybe you have some other ones, but when you look at the Mavericks and you look at a town like that, um, where Mark Cuban came in and he made those facilities like that, and he attracted those players to come and he built up that fan base. Obviously, it was already there, but he obviously pumped a lot of money into that because yeah, that um, was a football town before. Yeah, yeah and to attract the talents of Dirk and, and all those other players that eventually won championships. So, yeah, I think it is interesting um, how money translates to success sometimes, but also the, the culture that you build, whether that's in basketball or I think if anything you do, if you build a culture, you're going to attract talent because a lot of times you don't want to work somewhere. You don't want to do something because of the, the circumstances or the environment that's around you. 
Hmm. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the logos and the uniforms. Let's so do it. You have you looked at a few. Um, I told you about this, and you have a few in front of you. So, if you just wanted to pick out some of your favorites and explain why, just from a design perspective. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the first cliche that everyone goes to in logo design is, you know, your first thought. So basketball, let's put a basketball in the logo. So immediately over half of these logos already have a basketball in it, which is funny. Um, some ways it does help, but in the long run, it's not as, I don't know, I would say iconic as, you know, owning something for yourself because you're obviously a basketball team. People are going to know that. So take it a, to the next level um, and translate whatever your team name is into something that's a little more iconic. And so there's logos, I think, within the NBA that are iconic, um, have been around a long time. And with time, I think it obviously helps brand um, be more persistent uh, just in culture and as you see it grow. But some of these newer logos are, are a bit trendy. You see a lot of gradients and you know flashy layers and someone just learned how to use different uh, effects in Photoshop. But yeah, I think you get a good variety of, of color palettes, um, design cues, and there's age in here as well. You look like something like the Phoenix Sun, which I think is interesting for the area it's in, in Arizona. Like I think it um, portrays that very well, but there's a lot of old school design cues in there in terms of color usage and, and shapes. But then you get into the more iconic logos that have been around for a really long time. Like, I think we always talk about the Sixers on this podcast, but something like that. Um, there's a bit of history that's been injected into that logo design. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting logos, I think, in the NBA. Um, you get a lot of old school ones like the Utah Jazz or um, the Phoenix Suns. And then you get a lot of newer teams, whether um, they've relocated or rebranded. Um, but something like the Raptors, I think, are an interesting take. Um, I think Toronto as a whole, not just because I'm living in Canada right now, but we get a lot of exposure to that team. And their branding efforts as We the North, um, is their new logo moving around or moving away from this cartoon raptor um, and bringing in the cliche basketball. Um, but they also have a couple different elements is, is interesting. I think, I, think, the, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I just think it's it's nice when you have your own region too. You may not have as many fans, but it's a little easier to own that area. I think of the Clippers and the Lakers. The Clippers have always been the little brothers to the Lakers, even though they're mm -hmm. a better team right now. They've been a better team last right. couple years but you always think of kobe and it's just so hard to differentiate yourself when you're in that city yeah they probably just don't draw that star power like the lakers do right Blake Griffin from chris paul timeout called by the lakers yeah so i think when you're building your brand and looking at your identity um and the logo is obviously just one piece of that but it's something like, am I going to wear this? Am I going to want to represent what this does? And so there's a lot of meaning behind a logo, meaning behind a brand and what it represents, whether it's players and those players' personalities, you know, win-loss records. Do I want to be identified with a losing team or do I want to be identified with a winning team? Do I want to be a, a bandwagon fan and start wearing, you know, warrior stuff all the time? So there's a lot to think about when you're branding, but building something that people want to actually identify and, and invest their money in. All right, so last time we played uh, Fake Player or Not with Alex and John, I thought it went pretty well. Um, so you're back on the podcast again. You have a second chance. I don't know how much research you did. I'll just explain the rules real Hours. quick. So I'm going to say um, I'm going to say a name and I want you to say Fake Player or Not. Okay. That will be worth one point. So if you get that right, you get one point. 
then you have an opportunity to get two more points if you tell me the position they are Whoa, you get another point complicated and if you tell me the team that they're on you'll get another point. i'll make it a little easier for you i know you're just a casual fan um so let's start with an easy one demarcus right. cousins real one point Woo! tell me his position he power forward. I'll give it to you. Forward? He plays forward and center. Nice. And team. Warriors. No. <laughs> Pelicans. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, Yogi Ferrell. Yogi. I'm going to say not real. He's a real player. Man. Point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. Currently? Mark, currently. <laughs> uh, Mark Gasol. Gasol's real. Position? Any of the brother, right? Yeah. He's a center. Yes. Team? Is he on the Lakers? Still? No, that's his brother. brother? <laughs> okay, wait, then I get a second chance. Wasn't he just traded, though? No, that was Pau. Oh. And he wasn't traded. <laughs> I'll tell you, Pau just signed with San Antonio, so don't think of him. It's his brother, okay. the younger brother. I'm going to say he plays for the Celtics. No. <laughs> uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Of course. Jarrett Frazier. Not real. Point. <laughs> Markel Fultz. So ridiculous. It's probably real. Say real. 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 And he is a bench warmer. Not a position. <laughs> Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Shooting guard. No, he's a point guard. He was the number one pick in the draft. He's on the 76. <laughs> Come on, man. Wait, what's his name? Markel Fultz. Oh, okay. Did you watch the draft? No. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays for 76. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andre Iguodala. Iguodala's real. He plays for the Warriors and he's a center. Small forward. He's small? Yeah. Big dude. Playing off the bench? <laughs> Two points. <laughs> How many points do other people get? Uh, Alex got 26. <laughs> what? Yeah, but he was D1. Yeah. <laughs> I'm D0. I'm giving you some easy players, though. Fair enough. CJ McCollum. He's real. He plays for the Sixers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is he real? He's a real player. He plays for the Trailblazers position. Point guard. No. Shooting guard. I think the positions are the hardest ones. Yeah, well, that's what it is. <laughs> Mike Johnson. Not real. Point. It's the most generic name ever. <laughs> Derek Rose. He's real. Should be in jail. Should be in jail? Why? Yeah. He had, like, rape charges. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> How quickly we forget. <laughs> Nicola, does, does he still play basketball? Yeah. Broken knees. Remember? In, uh... I'm kidding. He was just traded to the Warriors. No. Yeah? Just signed with the Cavaliers. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, other team. Sorry. Okay. Oh, the other team. <laughs> There's only two, right? Nikola Vucevic. Not real. Real. Center for the Magic. Mm -hmm. All right. And final one. Rajon Rondo. He's real. He's small forward, point guard for Celtics. No, he was. And then, where did he play? Mm -hmm. 
don't know where you play. Pelicans. Uh, okay. All What's right. my total? I did not keep track. Um, I'll have to go back <laughs> and listen. That's fine. But just react to uh, 12. 12 points. Oh, sorry. Do it again. 12 points. <laughs> Do it again. I'll react. You got 12 points. Well, yep. That's probably reflective of my knowledge. <laughs> sorry. Just casual fan. We'll see how Ryan does next week. No pressure. All right. Thank you. No problem. So you want to build a basketball dynasty? Then you better be able to brand yourself. A good brand attracts fans and fans bring in money. Money can be used on a better stadium, training facilities, and staff like coaches, doctors, trainers, analytics, and even chefs. These things attract players and free agency. And when you have success and a solid culture, good players will want to play and stay on your team. Sure, location helps, but some of the best teams are in small cities. While money is important, it's not the only thing that matters. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. By the way, I did the count and Colin actually got 13 points, moving him into third place for the season. John Delgado is at 14 and Alex Jordan at 26. Dynasty is produced by Studio D and you can find other podcasts by going to studiod.co slash podcast. You can listen to us there or any other way that you get your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at this underscore is underscore dynasty for extra content and to join in on the conversation. So, until next time.